0: Hello, oh, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Yesner, And I'm K.W. Taylor. This week, we're talking about the TV show Lost with fan and philanthropist Joe Garfine, as well
1: as her fabulous nonprofit initiative, Cancer Gets Lost. And this episode is in honor of my dear friend Jesse Lunsford, who sadly passed away earlier this year. Jesse was a huge Lost fan. So this one is for you. I miss you. We had a great convo
0: with Joe, so I hope you all enjoy it, and I hope we were able to honor Jesse in a small way. Thank you. All right, we're very excited to be here today with Joe Garfine, who is a lost enthusiast and someone I've admired on the internet for a while now. So, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get to talking about Lost?
2: Well, thanks for having me on your podcast, ladies. I love the title because positivity pop culture pretty much describes me. My name is Joe Garfine and I am the co founder of a nonprofit called Cancer Gets Lost. We collect entertainment memorabilia, try to get it signed, and auction it off and donate all the proceeds to various cancer charities. And I'm a huge Lost nerd, but I'm also a pop culture nerd and I watch too much television. <laughs>
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us. I think we all do, especially now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask Carrie, so you were not necessarily a big lost person coming into this, but did you have a chance to watch the pilot? I
0: did, yes. I actually watched it, watched the first like five episodes when I was in college, like right after the first season had come out. And I didn't get into a lot of things in college because I was very busy. But Mm -hmm. I remember... Not really caring for it, but I watched this pilot and I was like, wow, this is very exciting. So I think I'm going to watch some more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent choice.
1: And so I watched it when it was on and I was a very, very avid fan. Maybe not as big a fan as Joe, but still very, very, very into it. How did you get into it, Joe?
2: You know, I accidentally watched episode five I believe or four uh which is the John Locke infamous episode and if you don't know the show it may not make sense to you but that's the show that's sort of the episode that hooked everybody in mm-hmm. I watched it I happened upon it and I thought well this is really interesting and I went back and back in the day it wasn't available on repeats. So you had to buy it on iTunes and I watched it from the pilot on and I was just hooked and my brain reacted in a way it has never reacted to television before it has since I now have the same applications in my brain for Westworld but there was something about the, the world that they built on and off the island, the characters, the development of the intermingling stories, that it sort of changed the television landscape with the flash forward, flash sideways nature of it. And again, I might be talking gibberish for those of you who don't watch Lost, but here's me encouraging you <laughs> to pick it up in your spare time during this quarantine.
1: Well, it is easy to watch right now. It's available on Hulu streaming and on IMDb which is a free streaming service. So it's with commercials in both of those places, but it is easy to stream right now if you have access to one of those, as well as available on Old School DVD if you want to go that route. I have several of the seasons on DVD, actually. But when I rewatched the pilot, I watched it on Hulu because it was actually easier to stream it even with commercials than to walk into my attic and get my DVDs out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is fair, although I recently also re-watched Loss on Hulu and noticed that there are some scenes they cut <gasps> out of early that are on the Blu-ray oh. and the DVD. I don't know if it was for timing or they were licensing music rights, oh. but there was a little bit different. Even the finale, which blew my mind, there's some stuff that they missed. So for those who are purists, oh. definitely pick up uh, an old school piece of media called a DVD. <laughs> That is really good to
1: know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so frustrating. But you know, that that sadly happens. Streaming rights are different than DVD rights. So,
2: exactly. It's still very enjoyable. Don't get me wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, do it was just one of us want to give like a very very brief synopsis of just the basic like what is the show about to kind of give it broad strokes plot summary of maybe just the first episode to give people an idea of what it's about if they don't know already.
2: Well, you know, at at its core. Lost is about a group of strangers who literally get on an airplane, as people used to do pre-COVID, in a packed flight to a destination. This particular flight did not make it to its destination. It did crash over a mysterious island. And when I say mysterious, it's because they get there and there are not necessarily signs of life of humans, but there's um, some kind of seemingly supernatural sci-fi element to the island. And it's not a cheesy magical element, I would say it's one of the more intriguing pilots ever made. Mm-hmm. The dynamic between the passengers that, that and their relationships quickly, quickly diverge. And I think that just sort of the character and world building in the first two hours of that television show, set the stage for what turns out to be, you know, 120 hours of an incredible journey.
1: Excellent. That's perfect. Yeah. And you made reference earlier to the flash forward, flashback, flash sideways. Can you give just those? Because that's a huge element of it. What, what does that actually refer to?
2: Well, as many of you have probably noticed in the last 10 to 15 years, I wouldn't say that Lost created it, but they mastered the art of when you say flat, obviously, we know what a flashback is, but Lost, you know, would sort of to explain these characters and who they are today as we see them on the island, they would do flashbacks to their stories. But uh, in the background, you would see surprisingly a character from the airplane in their back story. And then they would used a, basically a trope called flash forwards in later seasons where you would see them in situations off the island. This is minor spoilers, but again, the show's been off the air for 10 years. Um, <laughs> you would see them off island again with uh, coincidental meetings with people from that airplane and that island. And a flash sideways is something I can't really explain unless you watch the entire series, yeah, but right. it has to do with... Okay. I can't even explain it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very intrigued, though.
1: Yeah, the show plays with time a lot. And I'm a huge time travel fan. I'm a time travel author. And I didn't even know that Lost was ever going to play with time the way it ended up doing. And yet I was still very, very intrigued even from the first episode. So it's neat that they that they continued and they, they did
2: stuff that ended up
1: subverting our expectations of linear time, for sure.
2: Yes, I would say they played around with time in a way that wasn't quote unquote wonky, that wasn't intimidating. A lot of people I think aren't interested in time travel if it's all over the map. I think a lot of people struggle with Westworld because it is so nonlinear and mm-hmm. you really need to put the mental work forward to put the puzzle pieces together. Mm-hmm. Lost presented it in a way that was more palatable and I think easier to follow. Yes, for sure.
1: That's good to know. Carrie, as somebody just yeah. kind of getting back into the pilot, what what did you think of it watching it this time around and that you thought was really cool? Yeah,
0: there's there are a lot of interesting elements there. One thing I appreciate I appreciated now a lot more than I did then is the in media res opening, because they just kind of throw you in it and stuff's happening and you don't really know what's going on. And there is that really interesting aspect of disparate people who are thrown together into a situation and they need to learn to work together and become friends and in order to survive the situation. And obviously you don't get like a ton of that in in the pilot but you see the beginnings of stuff and I I like the characters a lot more this time around. I'm I've say this a lot, but for Joe, I'm a character first kind of viewer and and writer. Yep. So, I really really liked that moment when Jack, so Jack is one of the main characters and he is a doctor and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm working off pilot only knowledge, but <laughs> he's a doctor and he gets he gets a wound in his side and he needs another passenger to help sew him up and he tells that story about he lets him he gives himself five seconds to feel fear and then he has to get on with with the surgery or get on with whatever is scaring him and later in the episode kate kate does the same thing so that really intrigued me i just like that hook into the character and then being a sci-fi fan Oh, that's oh. Hazel the cat. <laughs> Hello. Hazel didn't like the monsters, I guess. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> and then you get the, that sci-fi hook of there is something on this island and whatever it tu- it's going to turn out to be, it's not going to be good. So there was both that, those character hooks and the story hook of what is this place and what's it going to turn out to, to be like for these people.
2: And I love, I love the character first. I feel like Lost really excelled at that, especially compared to shows that have tried to be like Lost ever since. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of modern programming lacks the focus and they're looking for the hook. They're looking for the right. twist. So I really appreciate even like with a recent re- rewatch, that particular element of this show. I think they nailed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I had actually forgotten that so many of my favorite characters don't show up until a little bit later. Like Desmond, I had forgotten that husband and wife. Janine's son? Uh, No, no. um, Rose and Bernard? Rose and Bernard. I had forgotten that Bernard was not always with Rose. And so I think I'm going to do a full rewatch after realizing that, oh, people that I really got to like, don't show up in that first episode and not even in that first season. So it's one of those shows that you think doesn't bear repeat watches. But if you give yourself enough time between those rewatches, it absolutely, absolutely
2: does. So Agreed. And my favorite character doesn't show up to the beginning of season three, which is Elizabeth Mitchell's character, yes, Juliet. Yes, yes, And I would say that if you want to watch the example of someone who is cast as a guest star, but changed the entire trajectory of the show, Michael Emerson shows up in season two of Lost and changes everything. That's all I'm going to say. Yes.
1: Interesting. I need to give a shout out to the fact that my husband and I, sometimes when we play pub trivia, if it's just the two of us on the team, our pub trivia team name is the Dharma and Greg Initiative. Oh, I love that! And it it's become a thing where, when we started it, hosts would always chuckle at it and say that was very clever. Over time, though, sometimes they've stopped recognizing what it's from, and that is a darn shame. I think so.
2: I mean, they're they're lost, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: talking about the characters, KW, you said one of your favorites was Desmond mm-hmm. and Rose and Bernard. Yeah. Joe, do you have? Do you have a couple favorite characters from the first season who, who do show up right away that helped you that helped hook you into it? Or were you more into the story?
2: Absolutely. I mean, Hurley, Hurley has always been a not only like a fan favorite, but a personal favorite, because he reminded me of myself in the sense that I like to use humor to deflect and to make <laughs> people comfortable in uncomfortable situations. <laughs> and I am sort of the class clown. And, you know, I think people are drawn to me in a way that they were all drawn to Hurley. Hurley was the guy on the island everybody knew and liked, and not many people were, were liked. So, you know, <laughs> even by the end of the first episode, the pilot. So I always was drawn to Hurley and also John Locke. He's a very enigmatic, mysterious, interesting, well-written character that becomes so pivotal to what happens in the entire series. So Terry O'Quinn was just masterful throughout the entire show.
0: Awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to to watching more. You guys are making me even more
2: excited. <laughs> you are welcome.
1: <laughs> I think I think the show really hit its stride in at least season 2, if not later even in season 3. And that first season is still excellent television, but I think once they started to kind of build their mythology when they knew they were renewed for a little while longer, I think they decided what the show was really about. And with the the more and more involvement of Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse as the showrunners, I think they really, really took full authorship of it. And once that happens and is cemented, um, I think that's when the show gets really good.
2: I concur.
1: I will also say that, ironically enough, the, the team, the working team of Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse is what got me into podcasts, because their, their recap podcast and, and listener and viewer Q&A, I can't even remember what the show was called, but it was like the official ABC Lost podcast, and they hosted it. And they were hilarious together. And if they ever decide to stop being TV writers, they should just do like a, you know, serious XM morning drive time show together. It was great podcasting.
2: (laughs) It was such a treat. It was long before other showrunners sort of did podcast interviews, let alone their own podcast. It was sort of a groundbreaking at the time. You know, we're talking early 2000s here because the show aired in 2004. And they almost immediately started doing that podcast where they would, Vaguely answer questions, hint at future plot lines, but also make fun of themselves, and mm-hmm. you know because episodes will have aired that they wrote a year earlier, and then you know they can sort of take the piss, as it were, that <laughs> phrase. <And> hopefully, <laughs> not to slap a rating on that. <laughs> <laughs> but David and Carlton are, are extraordinarily generous, intelligent human beings. They have been nothing but wonderful. They've been supporting Cancer loss since day one, and really donated truckfuls of items to help people with cancer. So, I mean, they. I'm obviously biased. I I watch and enjoy all of their other shows. Since I think Watchmen's one of the best one season shows in the history of television. but That's for another podcast. <laughs> you can have me on in the future to talk about Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, it they was genius. I mean, they're those two minds together, and there's such different personalities and brains. And and you're right, KW. What what a combination and what a pair. And and they really changed this the face of television. Absolutely. Well,
1: and. I just finished watching Bates Motel not long ago, which Carlton Cuse, that was his next big show that he did after Lost. And the tone is very Lost, but it also, it's a much darker show. Yes. So I think we can see who, based on what else they have done, who was kind of the the dark mythology guy and who was kind of the heart and comedic relief guy. And yet they were both obviously influenced by the work of J.J. Abrams, who was like the the initial co-creator. Um, who had done Alias and went on to do Star Trek, and the combination of all of those sensibilities just came together as total magic. But I do appreciate that in Base Motel we see Nestor Carbonell come back, who was another of my favorite later characters of the mysterious Richard, or or as the fans would call him, Guyliner. I did I did appreciate his <laughs> guy eyeliner. But there's so many iconic characters in Lost that fans latched onto with little nicknames. I think Sawyer was always a fan favorite. Desmond Hurley. Just if you like ensembles, this is just the ultimate ensemble series.
2: And there were some um, kick butt, I'll say kick butt, women, uh, (laughs) female characters on this show as well, some of them villains, some of them heroes. Mm -hmm. And they did a great job. And if you think back to 2004, obviously, a lot has happened in 16 years. But to have a cast as diverse, without trying to be, you Mm -hmm. have, you know, two actors cast to speak Korean only with subtitles on screen in 2004, on an ABC nighttime drama, you know, and one uh, a guy playing an Iraqi soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are men who look like, you know, Hurley. And I think that they were groundbreaking in the sense that they presented really a cross section of not just America, but the world on that beach. And I, I still admire that. Yes, that
1: is a that is a huge point. And I know that was something that they purposely wanted to do. But it's also a product of the the premise of the show being that you were traveling internationally. So of course, you would have people from all over the world on that flight, maybe a little bit more Americans because they were heading to LA, I believe, originally their flight plan. But it would make sense that traveling by air and traveling internationally that you would certainly have people from all over the world. So why not actually reflect the reality?
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. I do want to talk about your charity a little bit if we have a few minutes for that. So how did you get? Oh,
0: before we transition to your charity, can I just ask a question? Because of course you guys have seen the show and I know that Lost is a show that really has a devoted fan base. And I understand that people, some people were happy with the ending and some people were not, but shows that stretch out over a number of seasons can sometimes get frustrating because it's obvious that the showrunners don't have a plan. But I know that you were talking about Damon Lindhoff and, and their all the brains that went into the show did they have a plan for multiple seasons as they went went in or do you know if if they were sort of like doing a season at a time can you just talk about that a little bit
2: they had a vague overview and i believe a whiteboard that was literally behind lock and key uh for six seasons on the lot in burbank california and they obviously had to make some alterations along the way there is an actor who um shows up in season two and leaves in season three because he didn't want to be on the show anymore and that it completely changed that trajectory, understandably, to a different character. That being said, there was a huge writer strike, as you know, in 2007, and that was during season three. And okay. so that is when Damon and Carlton negotiated with ABC. They said, We have an ending, and it would be a six season total. They were in the middle of it in season three, and ABC loved their idea and signed on. And to me, that's when the pace really took off. I love the show. But seasons three through six are my favorite. And I think it's because of the acceleration toward the end. Awesome.
0: Okay, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. And now, sorry, K-dubs, if you'd <laughs> like to transition.
1: <laughs> well, actually, before we do that, I, I do want, without actually spoiling our listeners on the ending, because it is, or Carrie, for that matter, yes, controversial, <laughs> I'd like to know what your basic feeling of the ending was. If you liked it, if you thought it was appropriate, if it disappointed you, etc.,
2: I found the end of Lost to be tremendously satisfying. And while I won't call it the perfect finale, which I think Six Feet Under still has the perfect finale, <laughs> um, I believe that as someone who is a dedicated and not a casual viewer, but an actual dedicated viewer, I think casual viewers were upset because they needed certain answers, but they actually did provide the answers. Uh-huh. There were a lot of mysteries. Most of them were actually subtly solved throughout the series. I found it on an emotional Level to be the most satisfying finale ever, and of course I spent six years, you know, writing and talking about the show in in various capacities, and so I had a connection to it that was unusual, and it continues to be. But I would say that dedicated fans found it deeply gratifying.
1: Well, and I would agree, and I I feel similarly, and I've I've heard lately that people who binge it, who were not watching it week to week, find the ending now, if they're watching it for the first time, pretty okay mostly right. because you're getting, you're not having that like super anticipation. And so it just sort of flows into itself. The other ending of a show that I think people had such similar issues with was the ending of Battlestar Galactica, the newer version. And I yes. felt similarly fine with it, because they actually, if you listened to what the characters were saying, it actually completely answered some things that were previously up in the air or promises that were made. It just fulfilled them. And I think people are waiting so much for a twist or a a strange like out of left field answer. But that's not what these character driven ensemble shows, even if they are science fiction, aren't necessarily really about those mysteries. They're about the human journey and the philosophy of it. And I think those promises were absolutely made and that followed through on what they said they were going to do.
2: I totally agree. We we are very much on the same page about BSG as well. Good. I mean, honestly, <laughs> compared and now with the um, somewhat disastrous final few episodes of Game of Thrones, and I was a big fan, didn't read the books, but what they, you know, spoiler, did with the Khaleesi, I think sort of marred what was otherwise an, a terrific final season and overall show. Mm-hmm. It really made people re-examine Lost and go, you know what, the Lost finale wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me laugh because it really wasn't.
0: <laughs> well, it's also interesting because Game of Thrones is very much in this time period where well, showrunners and, and writers and everyone is really reliant on twists mm-hmm. and sometimes to the detriment of the show itself because yes. they'll throw some things in there out of left field so no one will guess it, but then it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So it's inter- It's cool that Lost came sort of before that shift, I think. Yeah. If
1: Is that right? I would, I would say, say yes, yeah. because
2: none of the twists felt shock value. It just sort of, they felt more organic to the story and plot.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think that it it did have twists, little twists as it went. There is a twist with John Locke that you find out very early on the one, the episode that you made mention of. And yet rewatching the pilot, I was like, well, there are totally clues to this fact already peppered through. And you are rewarded by this repeated viewing to say, okay, there was, there was signs of this from the get go and i don't think anything that ended up in the finale or or anywhere along the way even when there is what feels like a big reveal it was still telegraphed in a way that if you paid attention it it wasn't that shocking yeah there's even something that happens very shockingly to the pilot in the first episode <laughs> that if you noticed it was kind of leading up to that and it was going to happen so
2: right yeah and yeah. fun fact that Matthew Fox plays the lead character, Jack Shepard, and that was originally cast as Michael Keaton as a one episode. They were going to kill him off of the first episode. And when Michael Keaton found that out, he said, no, thank you. And so <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> wow. Batman. Batman could have been our lead, man.
1: <laughs> well, and I do want to also point out the pilot who meets an unfortunate thing happens to him is played by Greg Grunberg, who is friends with J.J. Abrams from childhood. And he appears in all of J.J. Abrams shows and movies, even if it is just in a five minute cameo. But he is he was a major supporting character on Alias and is an absolute delight. So I got all excited for a second when I'm like, Oh, there's there's the Grunberg. And then of course, <laughs>
2: <laughs> cameo, <Yeah>. <laughs> cameo, He <laughs> met his end pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: But then he went on to play Matt Parkman on Heroes, which we love that too. So it's
2: true. Yeah. And he's a good dude. He does so much for charity. I mean, he is just, he's a, he's a tremendous dude.
1: Well, you mentioned your, you mentioned what he's done for charity, but tell us about how you got involved with raising money for cancer research through Lost. How did all this come about?
2: Well, Cancer Gets Lost is actually a two person operation. So we're not a charity. We're a nonprofit because we have okay. what's called a fiscal sponsorship. So for organizations such as ours that are too small to have the 5013C status, this is a philanthropic company that does have that status. They sponsor us, which means they handle our money, and they get the 501c3 write-off, basically, which is fine. But that way, we don't we don't have to handle anything but the actual item inventory and the auctions themselves, which I prefer. But long story short, a fellow lost fan and I met at the official lost auction in 2010 when ABC auctioned off everything. And as fun as it was to attend and not be able to buy anything because of the outrageous <laughs> prices – None of that money went to charity, and we were sort of surprised but also inspired. At the time, I had uh, a young friend with brain cancer, and I was going to do a fundraiser. And we brainstormed and sort of made it happen. And two years later, we decided to have a giant online charity auction for my friend with brain cancer and donated all the money to uh, a brain cancer organization. We raised $55,000, and that was just with lost and bad robot wow. show items. It was unbelievable. I'm just We put our own money into it. And our time, and we did it out of our living rooms. And we knew we, we knew at that point we had something that there, and we could talk about this, which is that there are fan communities across all genres that are willing, able, and really want to give back. They they see the greater good. And now, more than ever, not even just pandemic related to almost every cause, there are actors and producers and writers on every show who have causes that are close to their heart. And because of social media, they use that platform to encourage their fans to support these causes. And so we knew we were onto something. We have since done several online charity auctions. We do them every year, and we've uh, raised and donated over three hundred thousand dollars to different cancer charities. Wow! Wow, that's awesome. It's it's a, it's a labor of love. It's not a job. Uh, we don't take or right. earn a cent. So we do this in our spare time, and I'm now doing it out of my basement in Wisconsin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a, a tremendous amount of work, and and thank you for doing that. It's it's obviously great work to do. And one of the things that I love about it is it does combine the sense of community that you get with with fandom and and different things, people who just love the same thing. Yes, with philanthropic work, which is just awesome to me.
2: Yeah, I mean it really brings people together, and there are, are fans in almost every major TV and film community that have started their own fundraisers and donated to causes supported by either their favorite actors. Writers, directors, or by other fans, and I find it it's greatly inspiring to see it. And social media gets a bad rap, and if it does earn it uh, in sense of trolls and the negativity, but I focus on and try and highlight the positivity. And there's so much good out there, and especially now, it's so important to keep highlighting that so that people don't give up hope, because there are people out there that want to help you. There are people, and cancer touches everybody. It's touched you know, my dad, knock on wood, is a cancer survivor right now. I lost my mother-in-law to a different type of cancer. I have two friends who have colon cancer right now, and they're my age, so I'm going to raise money for their charity next year. And it's just like, it if you don't have cancer, you know someone who had it or died from it. And so because it's universal, it's also nonpartisan. <laughs> um, I find that everybody is really interested in being able to support pop culture and also give back at the same time. It's sort of, I, I, I picture myself standing at the intersection holding up a sign that says, follow me. And, and one side is, you know, your favorite TV show and film and the other side, is a cancer organization that needs your help. So, That's wonderful.
0: So we wanted to do this this show to honor KW's friend, Jesse, who recently unexpectedly passed away. So I, I don't have a specific question for this, but I thought we could just talk a little bit about how, you know, the things we love in pop culture can help us through tough times and just they can help us deal with grief and and different negative emotions like that and turn them into
2: something a little bit more positive. Absolutely. I think that pop culture, whether it's your favorite TV show, or your, your favorite musician, songs, uh, films, I think that provides such a great escape. And especially, obviously, during the, the pandemic, let me go back a step and say that my condolences, my heart goes out to his family and friends. I can't even imagine what that what that's like. Especially this year. Thank and you. so I hope that our lost conversation, I know he was a lost fan, I hope that we can honor him this way. And I think that people who are grieving tend to go and listen to their favorite al- albums over and over again and rewatch their favorite shows because it provides them a sense of comfort. Maybe they relate to a character. Maybe there's a storyline that touches home in a way that doesn't cause them any grief. You know, maybe it brings them joy, even if it's just a spark of joy for a half hour. And I think the key word is escape. And especially now with the pandemic, I think a lot of people are. Rediscovering and discovering how to get through this through pop culture. Thank
1: you so much for all that, and I, I completely agree. I think that you know it became even more important for me to try to cover on this show some of the things that my friend liked, and as a way both of of honoring his memory and also sharing in something that that he liked. A friend of mine is reading one of his favorite novels right now on purpose as a as a way to honor him. So, but it, you know any any show that we're experiencing with friends or family that we can't be with right now because of the pandemic, being able to connect with them about it even at a distance is is kind of fun and a comfort. I, Carrie and I have been watching shows with our friend Rachel through text <laughs> messages, doing it all together. And that's been really fun. And it can be, even though it's impossible to actually be together physically, it can be a fun way to still share something. And I think that pop culture is all the more important during this. And it's It's a comfort, the shows that are resuming production safely. And I'm sure that's a huge challenge. But it's also, I think they know that they're needed, perhaps now more than ever.
2: Absolutely, the arts and honestly, these fan communities, these online, particularly, you know, some of us are lucky enough to meet people at conventions, but those aren't happening again for a while. But these (laughs) online fan communities, again, you get a bad rap for some of them. But that's such a minority of people who are trolls. I think that majority of fans who interact online, even if they read and lurk and don't participate. I think that they have such wonderful heart. Mm -hmm. And they have that shared love for a show, a character, a novel, a song. And I think that strong fan communities are keeping people afloat right now.
1: Absolutely. And let me ask you this, what else has gotten you through the pandemic in terms of other maybe more current pop culture texts, whether it be TV shows or movies or uh, music or something else?
2: I mean, for me, it's always TV, so we <laughs> finally finished and binge all of Schitt's Creek, which I think is oh, one of the most delightful, yes. heartwarming, hilarious shows ever made. Yes. I revisit Parks and Rec if I'm ever sad, because that just show makes me laugh so hard, and I totally identify with Leslie Nope and her love of binders. <laughs> <laughs> um, same with Amy Santiago on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I have a thing. I'm a little organized. <laughs> so for me, it's always television. We actually just finished our rewatch of The Sopranos, which is super dark. But mm. um, I always like to say, besides the uh, obvious racism and homophobia, it's a great show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Aside from that. <laughs> Meaning it's very dated in that yes, sense. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That being said, there's a certain, I just think it's brilliant storytelling and the familial relations. Again, I can't relate to it at all, but I think it's just fascinating. So that's, it's been a comfort to revisit shows. Uh, I did finish a lost rewatch at the beginning of the year because I had a lost specific auction
1: mm.
2: and that was always going to be a comfort. And I even now... I could go to a certain episode without having to watch it in a linear fashion, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Not that there's a lot of uplifting episodes on Lost, but <laughs> there are a few that do bring a smile to my face. So it, it, as long as people have that one thing that they can visit when they need it, I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I agree.
0: I saw a lot of takes early on in the pandemic that just reinforce that we're turning to arts in, in this, I hate to say, uncertain time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's one of the things that we turn to when we need some sort of stability and some sort of comfort. And even, I mean, now when we're so disconnected, it's for me, especially it's stuff like pop culture that keeps me connected with people because I get to, you know, watch this thing with KW and be like, did you love this episode? Or like, what do you think about this? Or I'll read some of the same books as my friends and we'll talk about them online so it's just, it's a really wonderful way to keep in touch with people in a way that's not just like, how are you doing? It's a pandemic and I just go to work and, <laughs> and stay <laughs> home all <day,"> you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I think it's really important that, you know, we are turning to the arts and we just want to highlight that. And I think escapism gets a bad rap, but yes. I don't think it should especially after this year (laughs) no agreed
2: (laughs) the connective tissue here is nerd like it's it's nerd (laughs) is the new cool like everybody has their favorite thing and because of social media you can share and enjoy that thing with other people that's a connective tissue and it's nerd it's in our dna and you should be proud of it you should embrace it
1: i think ultimately what this pandemic shows is that writers and teachers need to be paid way more than they are (laughs) And as someone yep. who is both, I would love that double income, please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amen, sister. <laughs> and I also want to point out that I gave Lost a shot 10 years ago, maybe 15, or, I guess 15 years ago. Wow. Hmm. I don't know. Some amount of time ago <laughs> and didn't really care for it for whatever reason. And the reason I'm getting into it now is because of my connection with KW, who had a connection with Jesse. And I am I already told you that I'm going to watch more episodes. so. I think that's just, it's one of the great ways of getting to know people, even if people aren't here anymore,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: is consuming things that they really loved. Yeah. Absolutely. Trying to figure out what is it about that that made them so passionate. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of it. I think you'll find that when you'll think of Jesse when you watch the show, which is beautiful. It is. I want to
1: say, too, that years ago, I wanted to create a literature class for college undergrads based on the books that Sawyer was shown reading on Lost. Amazing. I think they, and I never ended up getting to do it, but it was, I think that everything about a piece of pop culture text, whatever format that is, the creator was very deliberate in what they chose to allude to. And when your friends are very deliberate in what they consume, that those are things you should pay attention to. And it is part of that person, the creator or or the consumer. It's part of their soul in a way. So- and I think that with such a philosophy-driven show like Lost, that you can derive a lot of interesting ideas about, you know, life, the universe, and everything.
2: Absolutely. Well said, my friend. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, do do we have any wrap-up thoughts?
2: Watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> if you have Apple TV, it is on the par of delightful of the Schitt's Creek once, uh, once Upon a Time, that's not the show I was talking about. Um, I was thinking about One Day at a Time. I was thinking about Shits Creek. I was thinking about Parks and Rec, which have humor, but also great heart. Ted Lasso is delightful. It's such a surprise. It's that Jason Sudeikis show. He's an American football coach who gets hired to go coach a soccer team in, in England. And it's hilarious, but also shockingly poignant.
0: Aw. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of it. So that's, that's there you go. cool. I'll put that on my list.
2: There you go. Sounds super cute. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. So right before we go, I know that COVID kind of put a halt on and also moving put a halt on cancer get lost, gets lost stuff. But do you have an auction coming up that you want to plug? Or also if you want to share where people can find you on the internet?
2: Only if you want to though. Of course, I appreciate that. Right now I'm sort of gauging the world. I'm watching what happens. (laughs) Yeah, obviously with social global, every kind of issue and shipping has been a real issue this year. For various reasons and not just the united states um and i ship globally so i'm monitoring the situation i aim to have my next large cancer gets lost charity auction in the first half of 2021 and it's going to feature items from about 75 to 100 different tv shows and 50 wow. different films it might be our wow. most ambitious yet but thanks to the kindness of fans across the world every item is donated so whether wow. it's from a cast crew writer or a fan There's going to be something for everyone, and I will definitely keep you all posted on social media. And you can find us at cancergetslost.org is the website, and at cancergetslost on both Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. And I'm at Jopinionated, so if anyone wants to follow me, the word opinionated with a J in front of it. (laughs) Okay,
0: awesome. Thank you so, so much for being here and for coming on and talking about something you love with us.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure. And I hope that we can honor Jesse and his memory by encouraging others to also watch what he loved so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was so
1: great. It was wonderful to meet her. She's fantastic. And I'd love to have her back anytime. Next time, we'll bring you our annual holiday show full of fun holiday things. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Paws Pop Podcast. If you'd rather email us, you could do that at Positively Pop at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Paws Pop.